Brilliant, thank you, Paul. Okay, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be getting into our new sermon series, um, The Stories Jesus Told. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the parables of Jesus um, from now, kind of as we run down to Christmas. And what we've done is we've taken um, the parables and we put them into groups. And so we were looking them um, at groups at a time. I'm going to be doing these first few weeks when we look at some of the parables of the kingdom. We'll find in Matthew 13 that Paul just read, and then we'll look over the next couple of weeks at the rest of that chapter. We've got the parables of salvation coming, we've got the parables of wisdom, the parables of the Christian life, and also parables of judgment, which we'll just work our way through. And we're going to have a bunch of speakers come and help out on this process over the next few weeks. So it's not all going to be me, you're going to hear from um, quite a few other voices as well. I'd love to recommend a book to you on this subject. Melanie um, recommended it a while back, but I'll recommend it again. This is just simply called Parables by John MacArthur. This is a book that I've read in part of my prep, one of many books I've read um, on the parables, and I just found it really helpful, and I wanna just commend it to you and say, if you wanna get a book on parables um, and just study along with us, this is a good place to start. Have a read of this. Now, if this was a Sunday morning, and we're all together at the girls' school, I'd have bought a number of copies and offered them to you, and the first people who wanna come and grab a copy, they can have one. We can't do that now because we're stuck in separate homes on Zoom, but what I will do is if you go down into the chat, and if you put, I would love a copy of Parables, um, I will get one to you. The first few people who do that, uh, I'll send you a copy, I'll get it mailed to you. So do that now, um, and uh, look forward to receiving your book very soon. Now, a little bit of background and context on the Parables. Uh, we find them in our Gospels, in the stories of the life of Jesus, and they find them mainly in Matthew and Luke, some in Mark, but actually, interestingly, none in John. And a parable is a story taken from life that contains um, a spiritual truth. It's a little story with a big idea. One author described as this, he's, he described it as an ingeniously simple word picture illuminating a profound spiritual truth. So you'll have a story that's uh, very familiar to the audience at the time who Jesus would have been speaking to, um, but behind it, there is a very deep spiritual lesson as well. The story is simple, it could be understood by a child, yet the depth of the parable, their power is that even 2,000 years later, we're still studying them and we're still learning them, and there is so much that we can take away from them. And the purpose of the parable is to both conceal um, and also to reveal. So it reveals truth, to those who are searching, to those who are looking, to those who are wanting to find, but it also conceals from those who are hard-hearted, who are religious, who want to reject Jesus, reject his message. So for those who genuinely seek, the parables reveal to them um, the truth about God, and for those who are rejecting Jesus, they actually conceal, they actually make it more difficult to try um, and understand. And to put this into context, we have just read um, part of Matthew 13. Previous to that, Matthew 12, we find a day in the life of Jesus. And it says at the beginning of Matthew 12, it was a Sabbath day. And if you go through Matthew 12, what you find is repeated opposition to Jesus for things he's doing. There's a bit where he's eating at the beginning of the chapter with disciples, there's a healing, uh, there's a deliverance. And throughout the chapter, you have this opposition uh, from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law um, to the point where one point they actually accuse him of being in league with Satan after him uh, casting a demon out of someone. And what you find is outright rejection from the religious leaders. They will refuse uh, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, who he was, who he says he was, despite the fact that he was 
performing the works um, that his father put before him. He was healing and he was delivering and he was teaching all those kind of things. And then, so that's in chapter 12. Then we get to chapter 13, which is what we're reading now. And we find um, the parable of the sower, which is really the first parable in Matthew's gospel. And so there is a shift here in the gospel as we read through. And as we go through uh, chapter 13, there are several parables. The parable of the story is the big one at the beginning, but there are lots of small ones coming after this that we'll get into, where Jesus starts teaching in parables. And we see this idea of parables uh, revealing truth to those who are interested, but also concealing for those, from those who are hard-hearted. And Jesus is trying to explain the kingdom um, to the people there. And so as we get into that, you'll see that kind of works out in the parable and the passage we've just read. So for those of you who are taking notes, big idea today is that it is vital that we don't just hear the word of God, but that we receive it with an open heart. We don't just hear the word of God, that we receive it with an open heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the passage, I'm going to look at the parable, I'm going to look at the meaning of parables, and I'm going to look at the explanation of the parable of the sower uh, that we found here. So the first verse is uh, 1 to 9, is all about the parable. And this is a familiar image uh, for those who are listening to Jesus um, of a sower sowing seed in their field. And what they would have done is uh, they would have gone out uh, with a bag of grain and they would have done what they call broadcast sowing, where they just would have thrown their arms out and the seed would have scattered uh, everywhere. And Jesus, it says the sower went out to sow the seed. And if you look at verse one of that same passage, it describes Jesus, it says he went out from the house. And so what Matthew is doing at the beginning of this um, section on parables, he is framing Jesus as the one who sows the seed. He is the one who scatters the word. So in this story, we have the parable of the sower, but Jesus is very much playing that part. He is scattering the seed out to the crowd. And it says he taught them many things. Um, but the uh, Matthew in his, re his recording of this section focuses in firstly on this particular parable. And so sowers would have gone out, they would have gone to their field, they would have scattered seed. And it says that the, the seed landed on four kinds of soil. The first one was the, the hard ground, the hard places. And this would have been the paths around the field. The fields at their time um, had no fences. As we kind of familiar, when we think of a field, it's usually got a fence all the way around, marking it off. They wouldn't have had that. They'd have hard-packed paths that would have been used to mark off the field that people would have walked up and down to get around them. And it would have been like our concrete, I guess, paths outside would find. So really hard, dried hard by the sun, never ploughed. And that would have been the boundary of the field. And it says some of the seed fell on there. And they became easy pickings for the bird. As soon as the seed fell, the bird came and thought, brilliant seed, I'll eat that. And that doesn't produce a harvest as intended. The next we see the rocky ground. Now when he talks about the rocky ground, what Matthew is saying is not um, ground with rocks in that we'd be familiar. What he's pointing to is that this is um, earth that's got um, a soil layer, but then very close to the surface, it's got the bedrock, the hard, hard rock underneath. So basically it's not deep. And so as the seed hits that soil, it germinates, it sprouts up, but because it's got no depth, as soon as the roots go down, they're hitting the hard rock underneath, it can't last. So when the sun comes out, very hot sun climate, it just dries up the seed, dries up the plant, it doesn't grow. And so the seed withers, it dies. Then we have the thorny ground, the seed would have gone out, hit the thorny ground, and the seed would have grown up, um, but the thorns would have grown up alongside it and they would have choked the life out of the seed from the sower. And so they proved too strong for him. So the seed never really got going. The thorns overtook the ground, um, the weeds were there, and the, sower, the seed never got going. And then we find the final one, the fourth one, is the good soil, where the, good, the seed lands on the good soil and it grows up 
and it bears a crop. And Jesus uses um, the imagery of a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold. Each one of these was a massive crop. It would have been an incredible turn on the investment. Any farmer, any sower would have been thrilled to have that. But Jesus is saying is when the seed hits good soil, there is a wonderful abundance that comes from it. And at the end of the, the, um, the parable, Jesus says to his um, listeners that they should be looking out for this. Those who've got ears, let them hear. He said, you need to think over what I'm saying. It's not just a nice story. There's some depth to it. Which brings us on to the second section, which is the purpose of these parables, verses 10 through 17. And what we find here is we find this separation, which is what parables can do. And the crowds, those not committed to Jesus, it would have included the religious leaders and others, they're separated out. And it says the disciples came to Jesus and basically said, could you explain to us what you're talking about. We don't get it. And what you see here is you see um, those desiring to learn. You see those who are seeking, those who are wanting to find out more, who are wanting to learn from Jesus, as opposed to those who aren't interested, who have kind of chosen their own way. And so we have uh, the, the revealing and the concealing coming to the fourth. And Jesus goes through in this section, he talks about parables revealing, he talks about parables concealing, and he also talks at the end about parables blessing us and we have a dynamic that goes through here of God's sovereignty and our responsibility which is a tension you find throughout the Bible that God is sovereign over all things he drives and commands all things and he ordains all things but at the same time we are responsible for our actions we are responsible for our decisions we're responsible for where we're going with this thing and so what we have firstly is that parables reveal verses 10 to 12 and but Jesus basically says the fact that you grasp that what has been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you by someone else. So, and that word secrets or mysteries in some translation is uh, basically means something that you couldn't know by yourself. So something has been revealed and that's the grace of God at work. God has made himself known to you. So the disciples who are coming to Jesus, the fact that you know who Jesus is, the fact that you're following Jesus is because God has revealed it to you. Jesus called those men to come and follow him, to be a part of him. They are the ones who kind of had uh, his teaching, but that is all uh, evidence of the grace of God at work in their lives. And the parables have been used to reveal teaching to them, to, to open their hearts, to open their understanding. And Jesus says, if you know something, um, more will be given to you. You're going to learn more, which is more of a spiritual principle that those who've been given who seek spiritual truth, who learn spiritual truth, and then act on that, they get increasing and further revelation in their lives. And the contrast to that is obviously there are others who reject it, and actually what they may have known is then taken away. And that's where we get to the second thing, is that the parables conceal, verses 12 uh, to 14, um, and saying actually um, what Jesus does here is he quotes um, the prophet Isaiah. Find that in Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. And he's quoting um, Isaiah and applying it to the situation he has now. What happened in Isaiah uh, as time was that Isaiah the prophet was speaking to the nation of Israel and basically saying, you've heard God, you've heard what he's saying to you, but you're going your own way. You're being uh, disobedient. You're not following divine direction and divine correction and God's leading it. They heard but they hadn't understood what it was and they were going their own way. And what's happened in Isaiah's day is now happening in Jesus' day, saying there is a fulfillment of prophecy here. And what comes across as you read is you have this imagery of seeing and hearing. And Jesus is saying that they're seeing 
and they're hearing in a kind of uh, basic sense, just like you see as you look and you hear uh, noise around you. But there's a deeper meaning, a spiritual meaning. They're not, they don't have spiritual perception. They don't have spiritual hearing. They're not getting what's going on. And he describes their hearts. And when the Bible talks about the heart, he's talking about your your whole inner life, your emotions, your will, kind of the, the essence of who you are. And he's saying your heart is dull or sluggish. It's just, that's what it's like. They're not getting what's going on. And what happened, what Isaiah said to the people of Israel is actually the same as I could say to these people right now. They've made up their minds about me. They're not hearing about me, which was personified in the, the Pharisees' rejection of Jesus and actually saying you're not the Messiah, even though the evidence was right in front of them from their Old Testament scriptures, from Jesus' life himself. They'd seen, but they'd not really seen. They'd heard, but they hadn't understood. They hadn't got it. And as a the result of there, the kind of the final part of that prophecy was said, if you'd heard, if you'd turned, and that word turn, repent, then you'd have received healing. You'd have received the ultimate healing from the disease of sin in your life. You'd have received forgiveness. Um, but they hadn't. They'd rejected him. And so they were under God's judgment as a result. And so you see the parable, they're bringing this out, saying there's truth there. For those who hear it, there's more to it. But for those who reject it, actually what you have has been taken away. But then Jesus goes back to his disciples and says, but blessed are your eyes. You've seen it. You've heard it. You've understood it. And so the illumination you've got as Jesus followers is a blessing to you because you know who I am. You know what I'm here for. You know that I'm bringing in the kingdom of God um, because Jesus talks about that. It's about the kingdom of God coming in. You find in Matthew, he calls it the kingdom of heaven, the Jewish sensibilities and naming the name of God. But it's the same thing you find in the other gospels which refer to as the kingdom of God. And he says that there are people who've lived beforehand, faithful men and women. He calls them prophets and righteous People of old, he said, they wanted to know what you've known. They wanted to know what you've seen. They, they wanted to be here and look forward to this and you're here doing now you're here living it out and guess us living out um, beyond that we've had a privilege in saying there is a great privilege to what you have and what you've learned and those who've seen and heard and responded to it receive a blessing as a result and so that's kind of in the midst of this parable so he's outlining this is what parables do this is what they're about they cause those who know me and want to know me to learn more and grow and for those who've rejected me, those who don't want to know me, those who aren't for me, to go further away. And so there's a dividing power in the parables. And then he goes on to explain, okay, listen up. This is what the parable of the sermon is. Let me spell it out for you. Let me show what it looks like in practice. So this is a practical outworking of the parables as a whole. And he says, actually, there are four types of soil, four types of hearer, if you will, from my word. And the first one he says, is, is the careless hearer. He said, this is like the rocky ground. Uh, those hard packed paths around um, the, 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 the field where they sow. And he says, they, they hear the spiritual truth. They kind of, kind of listen to it, but it doesn't bed in. It doesn't go. The enemy just snatches away. They, they might perceive something's happening, but they just choose not to act on it. Some of these people aren't even hostile for the gospel, but they just don't connect with what's going on and their result is total loss. They don't get anything because the enemy snatches it away. They've been careless with what has been given to them and as a result, they reject it. And he said, the next one is the shallow hearer. This is the one with the, the rocky ground, with the bedrock very close 
uh, to the surface. And these people hear the truth and they, they're initially enthusiastic about this sounds like a good deal. Following Jesus is going to sort of sort my life out. Um, but actually it says they face trouble. They hit problems in their life. And it says immediately they fall away. It's like soon as the going gets tough, they bolt, they leave, they run away. They just, they're not interested. They haven't gone deep with it and actually found out what this life is really like following me. Because Jesus says, you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. This is hard. The rewards are incredible, but this is still a tough road that we walk down now. And then you get the worldly hero, the third one with the, the seed where there are thorns and weeds. And he says, and they, they receive the word and they think this sounds great, want to get involved in, but suddenly it's, it talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So you've got the trials and troubles of the world and going after the things of the world and the particularly singles out the deceit of riches and which is very much for us in the Western world, something that's front and center that people are going after bigger and more. And I want this and I want that. And that suddenly becomes more important than God. This becomes more important than following Jesus. This must be more important than life, um, living life after him. And it says it chokes the word, it chokes the word of God, which is a graphic image. If you think about choking someone, it means cutting off their oxygen supply and they can't breathe. And that's what it says the things this world can do to God's word coming into your life. It can choke it and eventually it will kill it. And then the final one is the fruitful hearer. And this is the person who hears the word of God, they understand it, and then they act on it. They respond in faith, not just as a one-off moment, putting up the hand in a meeting, praying a prayer. This is about someone who lives a lifestyle of commitment and faith. And the result of that, the incredible result, is they will bear a harvest, an astonishing harvest. Those who persevere in faith, it says, they will reap a reward, reap a harvest, and 100, 60, 30-fold. Any of those um, is incredible return on investment. But for those who hear the word, those who take it on, those who listen to it, God says, I'm going to reap a harvest in your life so to sum up let me quote one of the authors i read about this and they said this they said the parable provides a sober reminder that even the most enthusiastic outward response to the gospel offers no guarantee that one is a true disciple only the test of time perseverance under difficult circumstances the avoidance of idolatries of wealth and anxiety over earthly concerns and above all the presence of appropriate fruit can prove a profession genuine. So as a hearer, we are to listen to the word of God and we are to persevere and go after it. And the result of that is incredible through. So that's um, the parable of the sower. So there's three points I wanted just to look at for us to learn and to take away from that. So if you're taking notes, let's just go through this. So number one, God's kingdom comes through the proclamation of God's word. God's kingdom comes through the proclamation of God's word. So Jesus talked about their parables of the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is like this. And the kingdom of God is wherever God rules and reigns, wherever his uh, kingdom is advancing. So it's not a geographical kingdom like we live in the United Kingdom and there are borders to it. Um, it's a dynamic kingdom. Wherever God is ruling and reigning, there his kingdom is working. And when it comes out, is when it's happening is when the word of God is being proclaimed and lived out, where it's being proclaimed and lived out. And if you read Mark, uh, Mark 4, which has got this, also got the parable of the sower told by Mark in his gospel, 
he's really explicit about this. He talks about when the sower sows the seed, he sows the word. He sows the word of God. He proclaims the word of God. He lives out the word of God. And Jesus was doing that in this example. His series, he was the one proclaiming it. But actually, as we kind of fast forward, we're now the ones who to do it. We're the ones being commissioned by Jesus. You're the ones to go out. You're the ones to proclaim the work. And for all of us who've been born again, into God's kingdom, we are to faithfully sow the seed of God's word wherever and whenever we find ourselves. We are to pray, we're to act, and we're to live out whatever God's called us to in our particular social circle, workplace, and we are to proclaim faithfully his message to a watching world. So I don't know what you do, where you spend uh, your time, what you're doing. Our commission there is to be people who proclaim the word of God, who give that message um, of Jesus to as many people uh, in as many ways as we can. And I don't know who's listening to this and who's logged on, and I don't know if I can see everyone's face, but if you're not a believer here and you know that, uh, and you're just kind of listening in and trying to find out things for yourself, I want to stand here and I want to proclaim the word of God to you and say, listen, excuse me listen to what God is saying to you Jesus Christ is who we said he was he is God the son who came to earth and he lived the perfect life he died on a cross in our place for our sin rose bodily from death and ascended into heaven and now rules and reigns victorious he dealt with the ultimate human problem which was sin in our heart our rebellion against God all the evil and corrupt things we've done also all the things that we thought about as well is also all the good things we should have done that we haven't done Jesus Christ dealt with that and he offers us forgiveness now that we can come to know him we can come to know God as our father have relationship with him we can have the Holy Spirit in us now to live this life we have a future that is secure with him forever and if you don't know him for yourself I want you to take a moment now and to think about that dwell on that repent of your sin turn away from living your own life and come after him put your faith and trust in him and you can do it right now in your home where you are listen just cry out to God ask for his forgiveness, ask him to come into your life. If you want to know more, please contact us and we'd love to have a chat with you, catch up with you, follow up with you and do what it means for you to come to know Jesus for yourself. So that's the first thing we can learn from that, that the, God's kingdom comes through the proclamation of God's word. If you want to see God's kingdom come, that's what we've got to be people doing, living out and speaking out God's word. The second thing we need to take from this is the response to God's kingdom is varied. The response to God's kingdom is varied. I don't know if you've noticed that. You've been a Christian a while and you've been around people and you spoke to people um, about Jesus and the things of God, what it says in the Bible, what it means to them for life. But actually the response can be varied. And the parable of the sower just puts that out so clearly. Four different responses. There'll be people who will listen to you earnestly listen ask questions we think man are they are they going to take this on board is something going to happen here and then they end up doing nothing that's happened here in the life of the church we've got people who've done alpha courses uh they've been around us they've seen us they, they've seen what we're doing we say we love what you've got here we love what you've got in your lives and then we said well okay you need to make a commitment you need to make a decision about jesus and they said do you know what not for me no thanks and they stay friends but they're just like I don't want to do this right now. I'm not interested. I've got stuff going on, which I'd much rather be doing. And so they just, and their hearts have just been hard and it's just bounced off them. 
There'll be those who listen and say, yes, I want to get involved. And they sort of come in and they're, they're part of us and suddenly a hardship happens in their life. And they're like, nope, that's it, I'm quit. If, if God is good, he should make my life easy and nothing bad should happen to me. So any trial comes, they just quit and they run. I don't know if you've had friends like that who's kind of the thought of making progress and then the difficulty comes and they're out the door. And there'll be those who respond and they, you think they're making progress and they're saying, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. But actually, do you know what? I'm much more interested in my job. I'm much more interested in going on the career ladder. I'm much more interested in a relationship over here with this man or this woman. And that's more important to me than God, even if it goes against what God might say for my life. And I think, no, I would choose the things of this world over him. But there will also be those who respond joyfully to the message. Many of you listening to it are, though, are um, kind of evidence of that. My life is evidence of that. Jesus, people spoke into my life. Jesus came into my life. He called me to follow him. I did. And I've been trying to follow him uh, all the days of my life since then. And the weird thing we need to learn is that the responses vary, but it's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on how eloquent, how, how good you are. God saves by grace. He's the one who moves. He, he delights in using us, but he also works in spite of us. And so we don't get to take pride in if people come to know Jesus or lives are transformed. All the glory goes to him. And we will have success and we will have things we just think, what's going on there? And people make poor response, but that's to be expected in this world. There's going to be opposition, there's going to be battle. We're called to be faithful in what we've got, to keep going in what we've got, and, and to keep loving Jesus and proclaiming him to as many people as you are, knowing that some people will respond, some people won't, and that's just okay. This parable just lays that out for us. The final thing we can learn from this is those who do receive the message will reap a harvest. Those who do receive the message will reap a harvest. For those of us who've received the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the king of the kingdom, Jesus, um, we will receive a harvest. We need to keep going with faith and, faith and perseverance, but we will receive a harvest. 160, 30. Now, don't get caught up on which one am I. Am I 100 or am I 30? It doesn't matter. That's not the point. That's illustrative. The point is you will receive a harvest. If you have responded to the word of God in your life, if you are choosing to follow Jesus, there will be a harvest coming for you in your life and your actions. Whatever you find yourself doing, wherever you are in life, wherever God has placed you, you are to keep going and keep doing the things of the kingdom in those places and you will reap a harvest before God. You are to keep trusting him. You are to keep loving him. You are to keep serving those around you, your neighbours and colleagues. You are to keep caring for people. You are to keep repenting of sin. You are to keep proclaiming the good news whenever you have opportunity. You are to keep giving to the church and to others and serving people with your money. You are to keep working in your workplace and being the best whatever it is you do, you can possibly be. You're to keep raising your kids and loving them and telling them about Jesus. You're to keep loving your spouses if you're married, loving your neighbours, those around you, being good citizens of the nation that we find ourselves in. You can do all these things. We keep loving the poor and the marginalised and bringing them in. We keep doing those things knowing that one day we will reap a harvest of that. We will see it. You've already seen it in your life, but there is more to come. God is true to his word. He is going to keep building his church and we get to reap a harvest when we respond faithfully to God's word. So whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever your workplaces, your, your home life, whatever your 
kind of little world is where you operate you are to remember that god is at work in there he because you're there he's working through you you are bringing the kingdom you are living out the kingdom you are proclaiming the kingdom and you are to keep going in what you're doing know that there will be a harvest coming 30 60 100 fold of all the great things that god is doing Okay, a couple of things to finish now um, for I want you to do um, this week, kind of as we earth this and land this. The first one is I'd love you to um, start reading some of the parables. We have a list here uh, that Melanie put together of nearly all the parables we can find uh, in the Old Testament, uh, sorry, in the New Testament. There's uh, sometimes a bit of a debate whether it's a parable or not. We put them down here. You're reading the Bible, so that's all good. But what I'd love you to do, we're going to mail this out to you. So you're all going to get a copy of this um, through our uh, church email. But I'd love you to start reading these. Just pick one a day. They are little stories. They do not take long um, to read, but they have big ideas. So what I would love you to do is to get the list, maybe put a tick list behind them, stick it in your Bible, in your journal, and start working your way through it, reading one a day. If they're kind of you're thinking about it, you might read the same one for a couple of days. Get into it. And then write down what's the big idea. What do you think God's trying to say to me about that? What am I learning about Jesus? What am I learning about the Christian life? What am I learning about myself through this? So we are learning as we go. We are getting into the parables. You could start tomorrow by just coming back to read this section in Matthew 13 on the parable of the sower and say, okay, what's going on here? What, do, what is God wanting to speak to me about? What am I learning? So that's the first thing, what I want you to do this week, weeks on. Get the list, we'll mail it out, and start reading some of these parables and start writing down what's the big idea. It's a little story. Start chewing on it through the day. Come back to it. Um, there's small things you could probably get away with writing some of them out and just taking them with you wherever you go. So that's the first thing I want you to do. The second thing I want you to do, which we're going to do right now, is I want us to spend some time together uh, with one another. And I want us to pray um, into our situations that God would use us to proclaim his word, live it out and uh, see the kingdom advance where we are. So what's going to happen in a moment is Charlotte is going to click some buttons and we're going to go into breakout rooms. And what's going to happen in those breakout rooms, you'll be with a bunch of people um, who are on the Zoom with us in the church. What I'd love you to do is to quickly introduce yourself. You might not know them. Or you might know them a little bit. But anyway, if you say your name, it's always a good start. Say your name. Say what you kind of do with your time. So the majority of your time, this is what I do. Uh, work or you're at home with kids or whatever it is, retired. And then I'd love you to pray for one another that God would use you to proclaim his kingdom in that place and that you would see a harvest, that the seed you sow would land on good soil. And they don't have to be long prayers because we're not going to be in the breakout room for a long time, but that you would pray for one another by name. I pray for this person who works in this place and I pray that um, God would use you in that place uh, to reap a harvest and see his kingdom come there. So that's what we're going to do now. So Charlotte, if you wouldn't mind to click, oh no, let me just say it again. Say your name, say what you do, and then pray for one another uh, in that place. And then we'll come back together to finish. So click, 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 please, Charlotte. That would be fantastic.